It's Tuesday, October 10th. Welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Boza. And I'm Mark Gilbert. D, the story today, it feels like it's Amazon, it's Prime Day, and the steam that we've been hitting on, all this competition in the discount space. You know, I had to go back and think, how many Prime Days have we had this year? This is the second one. And I got to tell you, it's getting harder to keep track of all of them. And then there's these copycat shopping promotions, Target, I think it's called Circle Day, Walmart, there's others. But today is the official start of Amazon's deal day. And something that I find kind of funny when we were looking at the space is that the Chinese apps, they don't even bother with any of these things. Every day is deal day for Timu and and Shein shoppers. And so far, that has been an incredibly highly effective strategy. Yeah. And then there's there's data to back this up, right, which shows that, you know, if you look at if you look at usage, especially in the U.S., um, Timu is growing leaps and bounds um, uh, uh, to reach, you know, parity with Amazon right now in absolute numbers, of course. Um, you know, Amazon is still a, still a much more penetrated app and has uh, has higher users. But if you look at growth, if you look at downloads of the apps, um, you know, uh, uh, Timu, Shein, TikTok are are catching up. And I would argue that growth is really what's important here because Timu is an app that just launched a year ago. It's made all of these inroads. And then if you look at how quickly Timu, which is which is owned by Chinese company Pinduoduo, grew against Alibaba. Remember, Alibaba was the dominant player there, but Pinduoduo came in and just took so much market share so quickly. If you think that something like that is sort of in the early innings here in the U.S., then this is just the beginning. Yeah. And and what's really interesting is is the strategy that they're using to get there that they're using to get that growth and it's very different. It's not the Amazon or the Alibaba playbook. No, it isn't, Gilbert. It feels like it's from a different world. You and I and our producer Jasmine, we've been playing around on it, and to say the experience is different is an understatement. So uh, we showed our viewers this today on TV. So let me try and describe it to our listeners now. If you go to the Timu site, I'm not sure how many of our listeners have, so maybe they're familiar. But you open the app and you're faced with a wheel, and you click, and it spins for different levels of discounts or coupons. Um, so we did this. It said try again, spin again, two hundred bucks to spend on the app. So in a way, this is gamifying the shopping experience, and that's what Chinese e-commerce really does. And you and I were talking earlier this morning, Gilbert, and we we kind of thought that it was similar to how Robinhood gamified stock trading using confetti. It didn't really matter what you were buying. What mattered is that you were kind of having fun. You were doing something and being rewarded with, in this case, confetti. So Timu, it's luring in shoppers with a literal wheel of fortune. Yeah, I mean, and that's so, so different than Amazon, which is, uh, you know, the site today looks almost identical to how it looked 10 years ago and, and truly almost, you know, very similar to how it looked when Bezos launched it in the 90s. Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a white bar at the top and then you've got, uh, you know, a list of results with a photo um, and you can sort of scroll through them. Uh, I would say that it is, uh, I mean, it's arguably efficient. Uh, you know, you can get lost sort of in a rabbit hole of trying to find the right Tide Pods, but it's definitely not fun, right? It's definitely not, there's not an, uh, an attempt to suck you in. Um, and that's, you know, that's very different. It's kind of like window shopping versus going directly for something that you need. So it's very intentional when you go to Amazon, you probably think, 
you have in mind what you're looking for and you go and you have to annoyingly compare it to all the sponsored posts to the Amazon recommended posts. Whereas on Timu or Shein, it's more like window shopping. You're going um, maybe not with something in mind, but you're being thrown thrown at you are a number of different products. You didn't even know what you were looking for. And we described this in the past as like a target. You're going to target for one thing, but all these other things are being sold to you. You know what it makes me think of is remember when uh, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings said that that their competitor wasn't just TV, their competitor was sleep, right? Like Netflix wants yep. four or five hours of your time. And, you know, it's not just, they're not competing with TV. They're competing with anything that takes your time. They're competing with, you know, the eight or nine or seven, six hours of sleep you get at night. Uh, and so, you know, it makes me wonder if you went and talked to the, the you know, the growth hacking team at Timu, who would they say their competitors are? It's not just Amazon and shopping, it's TikTok and it's Netflix and it's Monday Night Football. And it's, you know, it's any other app on your phone where you could possibly spend time. You know, they're looking for, to soak up some of that attention and some of that time. And so in that way, it's not just disrupting e-commerce or shopping. It's, it has the ability to disrupt a number of different industries. And that's why Wall Street has really become so obsessed with this idea. They want to try to discern the Timu effect on everything, not just from Amazon, but to dollar stores, even to PayPal, right? The payment system. Could the Timu affect more people buying stuff on these websites lead to an uptick? for PayPal, for Square, for some of these other companies. And it's notable this week because Prime Day is kicking off. And this is sort of, Timu has gained so many different consumers here. Amazon will not publish Prime Day sales. I wish they would, but every year they don't. <laughs> Just kind of talk about it in these glowing terms, you know, more devices than ever sold. Um, but you can bet that Wall Street and the folks that we talked to, Gilbert, they're going to be digging through third-party data. They're going to be digging through that Amazon press release for clues, all to try and gauge the Timu effect and what that means for this quarter. This is the huge shopping quarter. We've got Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Hanukkah, Christmas, all of these holidays coming up where people are going to shop. Are they going to go to Amazon, Walmart, Target, or are they increasingly going to go to Timu? I thought, you know, you talked about third-party data that we saw this stat this morning that there's a data firm, CoreSight, which estimated that 72.5% of U.S. consumers currently have access to an Amazon membership. That number felt giant to me. Three quarters of Americans, uh, you know, have access to an Amazon membership. But that number is the lowest rate since March 2018, um, you know, which means that Amazon growth is not keeping up. Uh... And it sets up a really important distinction. Amazon is mature. It has nearly three right. quarters of right. the US, you know, US consumers, whereas Timu and Shein, these are growth plays. So Amazon, in this case, if you're an investor, you could say it has more to lose here and there's more to gain for a Timu if you're betting on one of them. Um, one thing that you and I were sort of, and our producers were chuckling over this morning was just the tone of these analyst notes coming out of Wall Street. And underlying them is sort of this not even so subtle message that anxiety is rising over Timu and Shein, just the strides that they've been able to make here. Let me tell you a sample of them. UBS writes, quote, the next generation of potential disruptors may be on the doorstep of the retail sector. Morgan Stanley estimates that 15% of US consumers shop on Timu. And Gilbert, that is just a wild number considering that it launched just over a year ago, right? That's yeah. That's huge. That's very fast growth. Um, let me say what I thought was the most provocative 
one analyst note. So Bernstein had an analysis of the Timu effect and they titled it Timu 102, the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> Give me your thoughts on that. Mark. Yeah, yikes, yikes, a yikes of a note. Uh, weird tones when everyone starts talking about foreign uh, foreign apps. I think they sort of reach for these, uh, you know, strange, uh, strange idioms. But it does also allude to, you know, when what they're trying to allude there is to the larger geopolitical story here, which is this, you know, idea of Chinese super apps. Yeah. Can I also just go back for a second and say that I didn't even really understand what they meant by this. I know it's a reference to Apocalypse Now, uh, but I put this but These are Chinese both. apps. I, I know. And yeah. and it's just weird. Um, is it saying that Timu is this weapon of destruction? I ran this through ChatGPT and Bard and it was <laughs> Your no clearer. Yeah. yeah, it was no clearer to me. But yes, this is Vietnam an allusion to Vietnam. This is our Chinese apps, but like you said, it sort of um, alludes to that geopolitical story here. And that is the infiltration of Chinese apps. TikTok started it and the American consumer. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that, that there was all this fear about uh, TikTok and we talked about, you know, whether there was going to be going to be a ban and that looked like it was heading towards a resolution. And instead, all we've ended up with is is actually more, uh, you know, more of these apps and more you know Chinese companies trying to serve the American consumer. We talk a lot about regulation in terms of the tech giants, Mark. And one of the biggest criticisms is that they're fighting yesterday's battle. Right. right. And if you're trying to limit the scope and reach of TikTok, you're missing the Trojan horses of Timu and Xi'an. These are basically growing just completely unfettered. Um, last year's Super Bowl, remember we saw two Timu ads. What was yep. it? Shop like a billionaire? Yep. Not even a millionaire? Shop like a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you said that the moment you downloaded Timu, the, 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 you know, all of your click display ads were all Timu. And that just points to the amount that they're spending to grow here. There's so many angles of this story. So make sure listeners that you watch our tech check video, because we're going to go into a lot of those ramifications, what it means for the biggest digital advertisers, Google and Facebook. One of the most remarkable things to me in the last few days, when I went on the Timu app, all of a sudden it just started following me in a way that other websites or companies or apps don't follow me. So it's clear that Timu is spending a lot of money um, here, not just on Super Bowl ads, but on Google and Meta advertising. And that's sort of how they're achieving these incredible numbers. Yeah. I mean, you talked about the how it's different than Amazon and Alibaba. And just one thing that I would say, if you pulled back, if you think about sort of like the generations of, of how the Chinese economy was going to affect the American economy, right? In the, you know, in the 80s and 90s, it was made in China, right? It was Chinese factories making, you know, cheap goods. And now, you know, that's not totally the truth anymore. Chinese, you know, manufacturing has now become um, you know, that's not the place where low cost, lowest cost manufacturing come forward. That comes for, you know, other countries in, in Asia. Um, and so then it was Alibaba, right? It was, all right, well, then can we have, um, you know, can we try to, to build a Chinese consumer base uh, and have, you know, a, a large e-commerce companies within China and have Chinese consumers and sort of feed off that growth. And now we're in this third stage where it's not Chinese consumers, it's American consumers and, you know, instead of shopping at Walmart and getting the goods to come from China, they're just going, they're going straight to the source. They're, they're shopping from Chinese companies and just having it, you know, delivered. And maybe the shipping doesn't, you know, maybe the shipping isn't instantaneous if you use Xi'an, but, you know, it's pretty fast to come to the U.S. 
And the reason why American consumers are so valuable is because they have so much more money to spend, right? right? Richer economy. So there's more. And that's why even though the Chinese middle class, and I think it's 350, 350 million people is actually bigger than the entire American economy. Still, you want to get the American consumer because they still have more money to spend. So it'll be an interesting dynamic. If you have shopped on Timu and received anything good, please let us know because as far <laughs> as we can tell. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually gotten to the end of the shopping cart. I've never actually hit purchase on anything. I've only- yeah. yeah, me neither. Explore. We will have to try that out for, for our research purposes. Um, but again, make sure you check out our weekly at the end of the week because we're going to be diving into all the different angles of this. And we're going to post at the end of this um, segment as well, our interview with Ben Harburg, who lives and works in China and knows the space very well. So we'll see you tomorrow. Got a special guest with me today, Ben Harburg of MSA Capital. He's usually based in Beijing, but he's with us at One Market in San Francisco today. Welcome. So talk a little bit about the Timu effect. And Timu is this Chinese retailer owned by Pinduoduo. And there's been worries, rising anxiety that it's going to displace everyone from Amazon to the dollar stores to PayPal. And, and Costco as well. So, I mean, this is a uh, an application that uses gamification, uh, user-generated content, highly engaging, uh, and it is taking over the uh, app store. Uh, it's a threat to everyone, including Amazon, uh, as it makes a very fun and engaging experience at a low price point. Right. On an absolute basis, though, Amazon is still extremely dominant here. Um, but it's only been a year that Timu has been here. We've seen the Super Bowl commercials. It's been at the top of the app store downloads. How worried should American retailers be of the threat or non-threat that it poses? What have you seen in China? They should be very afraid. Uh, I mean, this is uh, on par with what Shein did with fast fashion and, and how we're seeing that affecting the likes of Zara and Uniqlo and others. Um, this is a company, though, that, that goes beyond just fast fashion and also, again, targets, uh, targets very small goods, electronics and, and trinkets, uh, and therefore that whole range of uh, potential customers and, and, and retailers are at, at risk. Right. And in such a short amount of time, they've managed to actually um, gain a lot of American consumers. I think Morgan Stanley estimated that about 15 percent of U.S. consumers have used the app. Regulators, they don't seem to be looking at Shein or Timu, as far as I know. Do you know anything different? And what do you think would make them start to take a hard luck? I think they started. They are beginning to. So Timu specifically has been tied to, for instance, cotton and other products coming out of Xinjiang. So that's an easy kind of quick win for them. They don't have to understand the application in order to go after that. Um, but I think just overall, we're seeing Congress trying to be protective of an American competitiveness incumbent interests, and those those are going to come at risk. So as soon as those lobbyists start coming after uh, Timu, I think you'll see the rhetoric on, on Capitol Hill ratcheted up. I find it so interesting when Amazon is sort of battling this antitrust case. One of the things that I often say is it's never been this competitive, right? Regulators are sort of looking in the wrong place. Do you think that Timu and Shein are going to present real competition to Amazon? I think they are. I mean, as particularly in certain verticals. So Amazon Cloud, for instance, I think will be okay. And maybe that's right. where their, their profits come from. But a lot of the other kind of traditional business lines that we know them for are under fire from these, again, for small goods, electronics, as well as fast fashion. 
Walk me through that. How does Timu further threaten Amazon's core e-commerce business? Well, so Amazon obviously has 60% of its sellers coming out of China, and they charge them 60% or 30% fee for the fulfilled by Amazon products, essentially helping them. 60% of its sellers, those are its third-party merchants. That's right. But they're not all Chinese. No, but 60% of them are Chinese. 60% of their third-party merchants. That's right. Okay, I'm sorry. That's right. And, and they charge them 30%. Uh, that's a huge margin to play with that Temu can, uh, can kind of eat away at if they start bringing them into the United States. Um, and then, of course, any of the other fast fashion um, kind of channels. Amazon's actually been a replicator of Chinese models, not a, a kind of an innovator. So, uh, you know, Amazon Live is essentially a knockoff of, of Taobao Live or one of these kind of uh, online um, uh, live streaming e-commerce products. And so, you know, Gen Z is engineered to buy products the way that the Chinese have, um, have really popularized and pioneered. And Amazon's falling behind that. What about the Amazon logistics network? I mean, it spent so much money, it doubled that network over the pandemic, and so it's able to do one day, same day, two day delivery. Timu can't do that. No, but again, Timu uh, can beat them significantly on price point, um, and Timu has already still you know, pioneered that fast fashion value chain, so they can take a drawing of a dress to delivering at your doorstep in seven days. You know, that's a pretty good timeline as well. Maybe you could tell me, too, a little bit of the history, because it was Alibaba that was the dominant player in China for a long time, and it felt like Pinduoduo came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. What was that like? So it was because Pinduoduo offered a very different alternative. We, we call it um, Disney plus Costco. So essentially gamified, fun shopping experiences that are also very um, community-based and inclusive, um, and that targeted a more stodgy traditional brand like Alibaba. And so um, at the beginning of Pinduoduo's rise, it was essentially a Groupon for e-commerce. You and your friends would come together, uh, and by bringing others into the, um, uh, into the transaction, you'd drive down the unit cost. Um, and that leapt up. So Pinduoduo was a company that went from zero to $30 billion valuation in about a year. It IPO'd just a year or two later. Um, it reached as high as $200 billion market cap before coming down with the current kind of tech slide. So this is an unprecedented story in human history of a dominant e-commerce player being eaten away by a, an upstart. What's so fascinating to me still is that it has worked in the U.S. because you talked about live shopping. It's a very small part of Amazon's business. Others are trying to do it. I don't really think it's caught on in a huge way here yet. It's more that gamification. Why do you think it worked this time with Timu? Well, so live shopping, you see it in other ways. It's not as in your face, but for instance, you know, click to buy through Instagram or TikTok shop, I think are going to be major players very soon if they not aren't already. Um, but that gamification and kind of making it a fun shopping experience is something that no American retailer offered to date. Um, and again, that's the only way you break the deadlock of essentially a monopoly player in the e-commerce space. And again, it worked in China. And it, when you hit it at such a low price point, it's kind of that narrative of Target becoming something that's very popular even for you know, kind of higher uh, income level individuals in the United States where people want to buy something that's at a low price point and kind of a fun shopping experience regardless of income level. So what you're saying is that Timu's starting at the lower end for lower income shoppers, but you think it's going to move up? It popularizes itself and it becomes something that even uh, the affluent can't avoid buying. Is that happening already? It is, and we're seeing it across the world. So even when the likes of Temu and Shein came into the Middle East, they were dismissed as kind of uh, low-tier uh, fashion, fast fashion brands. Today, very uh, affluent customers are buying them as well, uh, just again because of the gamification and the feeling that it's so cheap, why not buy it? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, any other names we should be on the lookout for? Because Timu and Shein have been able to have some success here. Is that encouraging other 
e-commerce, Chinese e-commerce companies to try? Well, certainly TikTok is going to be a yeah. major player, and they'll rely on, again, this Chinese supply chain. Uh, there's another company called Yushopple, which is doing very well, which will be coming for Sephora soon, so keep an eye out for that one. And then there's just a whole new generation of people that uh, previously worked at Amazon, TikTok, uh, Tencent, et cetera, that are building companies in very specific verticals. Uh, so we've had companies, for instance, the TikTok alumni that are building like a contact lens brands for Latin America uh, or, you know, something along those lines. And one of the, the, the jokes is that um, if you went to a, a um, Y Combinator demo day just a couple years ago, maybe pre-pandemic, you'd probably see 10 to 15 percent of all of the startups saying that they are going to be the pin duo duo of insert. So pin duo duo of uh, pharmaceutical product <laughs> retail sales or the pin duo duo of India or something like that. So clearly the entrepreneurs are well aware of this and they know the power of these platforms. Um, are Chinese e-commerce companies attracting investment from American venture capital firms? Historically, they had, right? So uh, many of the American blue chip brand names are investors in many of these companies that we're talking about right now at an early stage. Um, it's obviously much more challenging today geopolitically for any of them to invest, but many of these companies have recycled or rebranded themselves as Singaporean-based or LA-based, um, and that's given them more flexibility to raise capital from Silicon Valley um, because they can at least uh, use plausible deniability to say that this isn't a pure play Chinese company. Right, like Xi'an, based in Singapore, exactly. right? Um, ben, thanks so much for chatting with us today.